Welcome to the Watching Film Podcast. Uh, today we're going to discuss Spider-Man Far From Home, the latest addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am Seth, and I am joined as usual by... Zach. Alright, so we'll, how we usually go is we'll start with our general thoughts on the movie, and then we'll get into spoiler territory, and then we'll end with our ratings. So Zach, why don't you just go ahead and give us your, your general thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home. I think if you liked um, Homecoming, then you're going to like this just the same. So, I'm in, in general sense, yeah, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, it was a good movie. It was enjoyable. Um, what was the running time? I don't know. It, it went quickly. I thought it was that kept a brisk pace. Um, About um, two hours and nine minutes. So, it went by really quickly. Marvel's um, hasn't really made anything really terrible yet. Uh, I know this is a Sony movie, but Marvel kind of has their fingerprints all yeah, over it. Yeah, it's a shared property. And it's really, um, they, it's really um, used to handle a lot of the fallout from Endgame and kind of really set the tone for whatever's coming next. Uh, phase 4, I guess, is what the next phase would be. Yeah. All right. So uh, this movie has a lot of heavy lifting to do. Um, and just kind of reestablishing the world. But it did a really good job of that. And then it also kind of kept the story um, kind of the same. It, the scale was a little bit bigger than um, the prior Spider Man movie, Homecoming, right? It was yeah, little, the scale bad. was a little bit larger. But um, I thought they did a good job scaling up and also keeping um, some personal stories that were. Um, Worthwhile and kept you invested. So, uh, <clears throat> general thoughts. Really liked it. Really enjoyed it. Definitely worth your time. So, let's get into. Got any more general thoughts, Zach? You want to go ahead and get into kind of the spoilery? I think we're good to go into spoilers. I I, I said my piece. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, what we'll typically do here is kind of give a quick rundown of the plot, and then kind of discuss um, as things come up. We'll kind of discuss them. And then we'll uh, we'll get into some uh, notes we had that may be spoilery, and uh, go from there. So the movie, the the very there's like a little prologue right at the beginning of the movie, yeah. Where you see Nick Fury and Maria Hill, they're driving through a small town in Mexico, and you see it's been kind of devastated, and they say yeah. that there was a tornado but the people are saying the tornado had a face yeah and then all of a sudden there's some shaking uh nick fury and Hill turn around and see this or um they see mysterio without his helmet which is played by jake gyllenhaal right they see him yep. pop up and he says you know you don't want to be a part of this you don't want to be messing with this and there's this gigantic beast which we find out later is one of the elementals, which is made up of elements of, you know, yeah, the natural elements, right? So this one is kind of like a uh, wind, sand, beast. And then it cuts to the opening credits, which is Spider-Man and Aunt May are doing a charity function, right, to help homeless people. But the homeless includes now, you find out, um, the homeless include people that survived this thing, which they were calling what the blip. The five year, yeah, the five year period 
while people were what everyone been calling the snap, right? Thanos' yeah. snap. And then the snap back that brought them back that happened in Endgame. They're calling that five-year period in between the blip. Yeah. So there is um, a homelessness problem, which is basically for the people that didn't dust away, life kept going. So there's things like uh, you hear Aunt May telling a story of how she went back to her apartment. Or she, I guess she... um, came back because you it seemed to be you dust you dust off and then you come back wherever you were yeah so you come back and age at all either yeah and they show that and some funny footage they're talking about it they kind of use the high school news the morning news at the Peters High School to kind of give a lot of background information and they show somebody's like cell phone video of the band playing um in the gym and you see people dust away then you also see when they came back and it's like in the middle of a basketball game and then band members are coming back onto the floor and people are running into them so it's used for comedy but then you also hear Aunt May tell a story about how she came back into an apartment and some people thought she was a ghost other people like her grandma or something like that or whoever was living there at the time because she wasn't somebody else had taken the apartment because she hasn't been there for five years so so it's kind of just giving you kind of a, a rundown, a really quick rundown of what's happening in the world. Um, it started with, um, I guess this the, they showed the news before the Spider-Man uh, and Aunt May speech, right? They showed the little high school news beforehand, and they play a little in. Mem- yeah. They made it. Somebody made like a little in memoriam video yeah. featuring all the Avengers that that actually died in the last movie and it was like done really poorly like Michael Scott on his <laughs> right. you know for his presentation uh, Great Scott production um, so that was that was kind of humorous but it also kind of just hey remember these people are all gone and included Captain America yeah people think he's dead so it, it, it showed that yeah they might they uh, it, for what most people think they may think Captain America died as well it was um Tony Stark, who died, uh, Vision, and um, Black Widow, right, were the ones yep. that were included on there. Yep. And then Captain America. So I guess for all intents and purposes, to everybody else, Captain America is dead. So he, when he went back, he stayed back. I know there was some kind of did he go to alternate reality? That's not really discussed, but it is for. It seems to everyone thinks he's gone, so he's stayed out of the public eye, and so when when he came back as an old man. He didn't. There was no kind of hubbub about it. He was just gone. Um, what did you think about how they handled kind of reestablishing the world after Endgame? It's definitely something that people have been talking about ever since. You know, people talk about well, what's going to happen now with the world after the snap happened and you know half the population is gone. And then when it got brought back, people were like, oh, I wonder how this is going to play out because if it's supposed to be. You know exactly where they were when it snapped, and imagine people that are like in planes, trains, and then when they get back, there's no plane and there's no train, so some stuff like that. So they definitely do address that, you know, like you said, with the high school band coming back in the middle of a basketball game, doing exactly what they were doing when the snap happened. Yeah, so it's um, so it kind of gives you some quick answers. But it doesn't really dwell on it too much yeah. at the beginning. It's kind of like, okay, this is kind of what happened. They're calling it the blip. 
Um, they do mention, um, and it's something people speculate about, they do mention that there are some classmates that didn't blip that were five years younger. And then they came, you know, so for instance, Peter and MJ and um, Ned were kind of the three in Flash Thompson were kind of the four um, kids in the, from the previous movie in the school that kind of came with. They added a bunch of, I think they added a bunch of new kids kind of as, yeah. as um, you know, whatever, wallpaper basically. Just, got, just added a bunch of new kids to kind of show um, the diversity of the school. But those are the four that remained pretty much from the last movie and they all dusted apparently yeah so they're all um they all stay the same age and they show another classmate that um was five years younger than them that now is in the same class as them when they come back so they talk about it being weird one character says my little brother is now older than me so they they kind of they touch on kind of the situations that would be created if people did leave for five years and then come yeah. back without aging I guess they also not fully address it, but I guess hint that the stress that would cause because they said something along the lines of, you know, they came back in the middle of the school year and we had to restart the entire school year because of that. Yeah, I think that was more just like a, as a joke of how, um, you know, high strung some of these people are already that they're right. they were more upset about having to come back and restart a semester of school instead of having to do right. You know, being gone for five years, and that was one of the things they're complaining about. So I don't I don't know about that one too much, but <clears throat> so from there, so kind of the first part of the movie is just giving the background on what happened, catching you up, uh, where the world is, and then um, Peter is going. To, his class or part of his class I don't know if it's that debate team or whatever they don't really say exactly they say they're going on a school trip and they're accompanied by the teacher that was in charge of the debate team Mr. Harrington and uh, played by Martin Starr and a new teacher Mr. Bell played by J.B. Smoove Um, but so they're going on a trip to Europe they say a few times it's a science trip right? Something like that, but yeah. I don't. They don't really. They don't really. Yeah, they don't really can... say exactly where they're going. But they they're flying from New York to Venice to start. That's the first leg of the trip. Um, while Peter's getting ready for the trip, Nick Fury's trying to get in contact with him, and he's like, "He'd rather just, yeah, I just want to be, a, you know." He just was took part of the traumatic events of Endgame and all that kind of stuff so he kind of just wants to be a kid it, it would seem as if um, this is at the end of the school year so maybe he's been back for a year I don't know it doesn't really say how long it's been since since the Endgame was yeah. over but it would seem to be since like you said they told him they had to start the school year over that maybe a full school year has passed since uh, Endgame happened so and maybe as like a this I guess the, reward for yeah, well, this going is like the that. end of the year, yeah. So, um, so they're going to Europe. Nick Fury's trying to call them, and then uh, they get to Venice, and a water elemental or Venice right is just got a series of canals right right on the water. So a water elemental attacks while they're on the school trip, and Mysterio 
this is the first time you see him kind of in action with his helmet on. Uh, comes in and helps save the day. Peter kind of begrudgingly helps. He didn't really want to. He didn't even want to bring his suit on the trip, but Aunt May kind of packs the suit for him just in yeah. case. Um, and he left it in his room. He's kind of really just wants to be a tourist and enjoy himself and try to get close to MJ, who he has feelings for but hasn't expressed it and he has a whole plan about how he can um, kind of tell her that he really likes her that kind of stuff so um, so the water elemental attacks Venice Mysterio comes in to save Peter tries to help as much as he can keeping buildings from falling apart that kind of thing using webbing to stop buildings from falling or um keep things intact and also trying not to be seen since he doesn't have a suit so he's got yeah. like a masquerade mask yeah on. so he, he's found like a mask that like a street vendor was selling and put it on and he's in his normal clothes um kind of flying around uh with his his web shooters so after that mysterio saves the day then nick fury finally is gets tired of trying to reach spider-man he finally just comes and gets him out of his hotel room he's waiting there there's a funny scene of them trying to have a serious talk and a bunch of people interrupting teachers other students and um so that's pretty funny so fury takes him and takes him to a shield lair i guess introduces him to quentin beck who is mysterio um and uh kind of introduces what's going on quentin beck says he's from an alternate reality earth and everyone believes him and he says this has happened on my earth and he's able to give pinpoints they believe him partly because he told them exactly where these things were going to hit the elementals because they hit the exact same coordinates on his earth so he's here to save them he lost his family he's trying to almost get some type of revenge he says these things are like Reality or or um, dimension hopping, yeah, uh, problems, right? Right. So, Shield try to get Peter to come in and help. Peter doesn't really want to; he's resistant. So, uh, it goes from Venice to Prague is next, correct? Pretty sure they were trying to go to Paris. So there's then... one. There's one. There's one elemental left after the water one. It's the fire one. Beck says that one's the toughest one. Yeah, because that's the one that ended up like setting fire to his earth, right? Yeah, he once he he reached the core and the core of the earth, you know, is molten. Yeah. So he was able to use that and basically take over the entire earth. So they need Peter's help. Peter begrudgingly kind of agrees, and at the same time, he is given or a. Fury tells him that he doesn't really need to help. He's okay. Just go on your trip, whatever. But he just sends one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives to basically take over the trip. The teacher thinks they get... The teacher, Mr. Harrington, thinks they've gotten upgraded. When it's really S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of maneuvering them. So instead of going to Paris, they're going to go to Prague. And then they'll end up in Paris later. Um, and Fury also gives... Um, he gives Peter a pair of Tony Stark's glasses... The ones you see him in um, Infinity War kind of take off and get absorbed into his... He's wearing these glasses, and then um, 
when the first initial landing happens in Infinity War, when he's with Doctor Strange, and you see him take off the glasses, and they get absorbed into a suit. It's, it looks like it, it appears it's that pair of glasses, and they are have some uh, software or some type of AI. Edith. Within I think it was the name. It was Edith, which you find out the acronym for Edith is Even Dead, I'm the Hero. Yeah. So another joke. And Tony Stark is a big... He's never in the movie. It's not like there's a hologram or any video of him at all, really. But there's pictures of him everywhere. Obviously, right, people are paying homage to him because of his sacrifice to save everyone and bring everyone back in Endgame. But there are images of him all over the movie, and that's one of the big themes of the movie. It's kind of his, or the big, you know, big parts of the movie is just him hanging over the film. And... Peter and other people trying to adjust and fill that void. Uh, Peter doesn't want to fill that void as Spider-Man. He is looking to hand it off to somebody else. So when he sees Mysterio, he's really thinking that's somebody that I can trust, right? Yeah, um, there was a note with the glasses that says, this goes to like the next Iron Man or something like that. But Peter reads it as... The next, yeah, the next Tony Stark. Yeah. Uh, Peter is kind of... The whole movie is really trying to... It's basically trying to... He's trying to convince himself um, that he can run away from this inevitability of being Spider-Man and being a hero. He's kind of... kind of The kind of age-old themes and age-old questions of, as a superhero, can I give this up and just be live a regular life, you know? Can I give up this burden to somebody else and let them run with it? And Spider-Man is, in this movie, they say 16, I believe. Roughly. So he's really young. He just wants to kind of have a normal life, especially going through all the trauma he's been through. So he's looking, even with this Edith, he's looking, he still doesn't really want to get involved. He wants to just have his normal trip and be a normal kid. So they take him to Prague. There's some funny things with the Edith. You find out that it has access to like uh, just all kinds of Stark military tech. Uh, it has saw, uh, you know can uh, interact with most phone systems or telecommunications backends, and has access to all these different drones and different things like that, right. which um, are deployed from several defense satellites that Stark had which whoever is in control the Edith has control of yep so in Prague they fight the fire elemental Mysterio about gives up himself to defeat it he's seen as a gigantic hero Peter gets out of the um, school trip to try to help out but he's still it's, it's conflicting with what he wants to do um, he wants to make sure that MJ and him get some alone time so they can talk because he really likes her but he has to keep constantly leaving to go fight so it's that same battle that you see in a lot of movies especially superhero movies where you have um, fighting what you want with, with your responsibility what's your, yeah. what's your responsibility to the world um, that kind of stuff yeah so, the last elemental is defeated. Mysterio makes it look like he's 
gonna die. He just dives in there. And he and saves. He saves Peter, and he says, uh, "You know, let's go get a drink." So last elemental is defeated. Mysterio is the big hero. They go. Him and Mysterio and Peter go talk, and then kind of what happens? They go to a bar, and then what happens next? Uh, pretty much, they start talking, and uh, he asks, you know, Peter, what do you want right now? Peter Parker, what do you want? And he says, you know, I just want to do this trip. I want to tell the girl that I like, that I like her, and I would hopefully, like, you know, want to get a kiss. And that's when they kind of, like, go, oh, yeah, being a, you know, trying to be buddies or whatever. But then he starts taking his glasses, and he's like, you know, I think Tony would want you to have these glasses. So he kind of read the note as... Oh, give it to the next Iron Man. And he didn't see that as himself. He thinks, I'm a kid. I'm not responsible. So I'm going to give it to the person I think is going to fit the bill. And he decides at that moment that it's definitely going to be Mysterio. Yeah, he's looking, the whole movie, he's looking for somebody to tell him that he doesn't do, have to do what he knows he has to do. It's just like, you know, if you're in like a, um, anytime you have to do something tough, you're always hoping somebody will tell you, ah, you shouldn't do that. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Even when you know, okay, I got to do this. So he's he thinks he's found an out. He's like, great, I don't have to take all this responsibility on. I can just live my normal life. This guy can take it. So he gives him Edith and this all this control, and then he leaves. I think he's like, oh, go you know, go on, go have fun on your trip, whatever. Yeah. As soon as he's out of sight, everybody in this bar starts going crazy and cheering and laughing, and you find out that. This whole thing was like a, um, almost like an illusion. The bar and all this stuff in it were the kind of thing, a, the whole thing was a farce. Was an illusion for Peter, because it was strange. You think, man, this is really strange that the Mysterio guy's just sitting there like his costume, and, and Peter's Peter just sitting there, there in no his mask. costume, and in front of all these people. But uh, so Mysterio and them start um, cheering and yelling that they got the Edith, and they're so pumped. And you come to find out it's all like disgruntled Stark Industries employees, right? Right. Like uh, Mysterio was the guy that in, uh, what was that? I think it was Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah, you see um, Tony Stark is using some form of holograms to... It's an aug- yeah, it's an augmented reality where he replays... The scene where he replays with his parents and then he walks into, right? Yeah. And then that was created by Quentin Beck, who is Mysterio, allegedly. Yeah. He says he created it. Yeah. And then, and then what happens with that in Civil War? Would you... um, he gave, he, I can't remember the acronym, but in short, the word BARF was used to describe yeah. the project and that he you know, expre- supposedly expressed that he didn't like that. And then Tony fired him for some, that's the reason he yeah, said. He was, he was. He's basically like, he, my life's work, which he thought could be, you know, and a lot of people thought Barf was going to be somehow tied into Endgame and into the solution, but they brought it back. They even show him on the side. They showed Jake Gyllenhaal on the side of the stage as Tony's talking. They've inserted him in there. Yeah. And Tony's decided to call it Barf, so he's upset. He's like, he calls my life work Barf, and Tony's very flippant about it when he describes it. He's like, yeah, I spent whatever on this, whatever. And he's kind of flipping about yeah. the technology. So he's pissed, and I guess he goes right, like you said. Yeah, and he, he goes starts, and tells Tony that, "Hey, I'm, you know," and then he, he's pissed about it that he calls it barf, and he's not taking it seriously. He doesn't understand it, and Tony decides to fire him. 
And then we start seeing the other employees, which he starts introducing. We see how they play out. We see the first guy he introduces. And real quick, just so um, Zach's going to kind of explain how it happens, but they're able to get all this exposition and explanations in by acting like it was still a little clunky, but they're kind of able to get around the clunkiness because they say he's given a toast. Yeah. So as he's going through his toast, he kind of explains who each person is. Is a toast to you for doing this. A toast to yeah. you for doing this. And so, like, what were some yeah. of the people he was toasting? Uh, the first guy he toasts, uh, most people probably would not even think about at this point in the MCU, was the guy that Obadiah Stane tells him, hey, I want you to make an arc reactor the same size that Tony Stark has. And the guy's like, well, I can't do that. I'm not Tony Stark. And he got... I guess fired because he couldn't do what Tony Stark did, and that so that's from the very first MCU movie. And then you got like uh, a like guy that's like a script writer almost, yeah, who came up with the idea of you came from an alternate Earth, and this is why he's like, you know, I didn't think that these people were gonna believe it, but because of the situation right now, they're gonna believe anything, you know, after what happened. Yeah, and then uh, you have like a costume person, yeah, and it was like. like a, it was like they were putting a movie together. Yeah, so it was pretty funny. It was almost like a little meta commentary on uh, movie making and creating things. Uh, that's uh, kind of one of the themes of the movie, yeah. I think, is truth and news and information and that kind of stuff and how it's distributed. But we'll probably get into that a little bit more later. Yeah. So Mysterio, dun dun dun, is the bad guy. And I, I hate to say this, but if you know the comics a little bit and you knew about Mysterio, then you probably saw this coming a mile away. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people saw it coming, but it was still, I thought it was still satisfying. Yeah. It was still, because um, it did have you believing for a little bit. Okay, well, maybe something else is a threat. Even in the back of your head, you knew, okay, he's probably the bad guy. Is it going to be one of those things where they don't get to it this movie, but they get to it the next yeah. movie? Or... Um, and so why don't you explain for everybody kind of Mysterio's comic origins a little bit. Um, from what I can recall in the comics, uh, at least the version I know of, he was a stunt worker and he did a lot of special effects in the, in the movie industry. And he sees Spider-Man going around and he's being the hero and he decides, you know what, I would like to be the hero. And he... Um, well, first he tries to become an actor and is really unsuccessful, right? I think so. I'm and then he's like, well, I might as well just steal stuff or use this technology, use my skills for something else, right? Right. So he does that, and I know you want to save this, uh, that next bit for later in the notes section, or do you want me to just go ahead and say it now? Uh, you can go ahead and say it now. All right, so he pretty much uh, had the plan in the comics that I'm going to dress up as Spider-Man, imitate perfectly his powers, and make people think that he's doing all these crimes. All right, so we'll leave that. We'll leave that there. I wasn't sure exactly where it goes. So, yeah, so, in the com- so in the comics, he... Um, and we'll kind of get to that as we go through the movie, but... So, he... He's a disgruntled uh, movie guy um, an illusionist. I think there's been some versions of him where he's even like a magician or an illusionist, right? And... But, yeah. yeah, but in this movie, how they do it um, is that he's a high tech. He's built this augmented reality. They've built these drones that are capable of projecting these crazy images, and they've also built it where the drones are all in sequence, 
to where I can project this crazy image using his augmented reality technology, yeah. and then some of the other are mem- armed with weapons. Yeah, too. one of the other members has like armed other drones, so they all work in tandem. So there's not really a monster knocking the building down, but it looks like a monster, and then a drone is shooting off some type of weapon to knock a building down. Yeah. Um. So it. And this allows Mysterio because they they've all decided together that the only people that are listened to nowadays are superheroes. Nobody listens just to the smart guy who's got a great idea. They need it to be pitched by a guy flying around in a Iron Man suit or a guy wielding a gigantic hammer or just a guy in a cape, a frozen dude, the guy that got frozen in the forties that carries on a shield. Nobody will just listen to smart people that superheroes have been elevated to number one. It's a little bit, I don't know if it's intentional, but it could be a commentary on celebrity culture. How Maybe. a lot of times this somebody could be uh, driven crazy if they think about how for so many different things, people just listen to what celebrities have to say and instead of even like, um, I know there's some craziness about vaccinations and things like that or any type of health thing where they'll listen yeah. sometimes to what a celebrity has to say about it instead of what a doctor in that field yeah. has to say about the same thing so it could be a commentary on that a little bit of these so these guys are all disgruntled really smart people and nobody listens to them um they think they'd rather listen to superheroes who in their view haven't done anything really to earn they're not smarter than them so this is their this is what their idea is. All right, well we're gonna be we'll be the number one superhero. We'll come save the earth. We'll be we'll go be in place of the Avengers, and then everyone will have to everyone will want we'll be popular. Everyone will listen to us, and we'll be able to do kind of what we want that way. So they have control of the Edith. Peter is happy to go out and just chill, and so he goes and talks to MJ. And they go for. They decide we're going to go for a walk because after all the craziness, they've decided that they're not going to go to Paris. Any the the uh, schools decided the trip is too dangerous. Um, they're not going to go to Paris anymore. We're just going to send everybody home. So Peter doesn't get to enact his plan from earlier in the movie of giving MJ this necklace on the top of the Eiffel Tower in a very romantic moment. So yeah. he wants to try to still have a moment with her. So. He decides to take her. Let's let's go do something, and they decide to go take a walk. I guess, right? So they go walking through Prague, and Peter stops her on this bridge, and and tells her that he has to tell her something. And this is where you see the scene that has been in all the trailers. Yeah, right. Which is what. It's her, he's trying to say, well, I want to tell you is, and she just works out, you're Spider-Man. And he's like, um, no, I'm not. So they actually, he actually, you know, he, he's adamant for a little while that he, that he's not Spider-Man and, um, that he, that that wasn't Spider-Man she saw earlier today. Cause MJ goes out and sees him in action against the fire elemental. He's wearing a brand new suit. He's wearing an all black suit given to him by shield. And Ned knows it's him, but is trying to cover for him. 
So he tells everyone that, oh, that's not, that's a Spider-Man knockoff called the Night Monkey. Yeah. So Peter's picked up that story. said, oh, no, that wasn't Spider-Man. That was the Night Monkey. And MJ pulls something out of her bag, which she grabbed, that had, she says, well, this looks exactly like the webbing that Spider-Man uses. And there's a, uh, some type of device, but it's got webbing all over it that yeah. just shot up in debris in the battle. And she grabbed it because it landed right near her feet. Right. So she pulls this thing out, hands it. I think she's going to toss it to Peter or hands it to Peter. Somehow it ends up on the ground and it starts projecting this yeah, uh, bang, monster. Right? It hits the ground and this gigantic projection of a monster comes up that looks eerily like the monsters that they've fought before. And it's there for like a second and then it goes away and they're like, what was that? And they finally get it back on and they both kind of figure out that. This is a hologram. This is a projection. Is this guy... You know, they both kind of figure out that Mysterio has been projecting. And while they're figuring it out, you kind of cut to Mysterio and his whole crew putting together the next illusion. Right. Um, which is interesting to see. It's like, like you said, it's like they're putting together a movie. Right, they're putting right. together, uh, try this, you know, look at that, you know, like they're editing the illusion as it goes, kind of, you know, turn this up, turn that down. Yeah, replay this, but add more damage. Yeah, and let me see my suit, how does the suit look? And so, uh, it's revealed kind of then that Beck is not actually, he doesn't actually have a suit that he wears all the time. He has like a... Um, like a mocap thing on. He has like a mo motion capture suit, like he's in front of a green screen, he wears right. that and... The, the suit gets like projected onto him or actually his image gets projected and his image gets projected, but he's actually just mocapping it yeah. somewhere else. And then he also has like a hero shot suit for like when they got to do the zoom ins on him or when he's got to meet with people. Yeah. And the whole, during the whole sequence, he'll like radio in, how's the cape look? And she's like, I need like five more minutes to steam out the wrinkles. Mm. Yeah. So it's, um, so that's pretty funny, and so then that sets up the final battle in London, where now that Mysterio is seen as the biggest, a big hero, he's going to set up one final illusion, where he's going to use all the drones from the Edith, kind of have them programmed to make the biggest possible elemental, and it's he's like combining all of them, pretty yeah, much. and just the biggest illusion he's ever done. Um, He's going to, there's going to be a lot of people killed in London, but he'll end up saving them. He calls it an Avengers level event, something the Avengers would have been called in to do. He'll end up doing it by himself. He'll get all the praise, and everyone will see him as the good guy. And he'll submit his status as possibly the greatest hero ever for yeah. doing this by himself. And at the same time, he realizes that because the, um, as he's practicing the sequence, something's kind of malfunctioning, and they they realize they're missing a hologram generator, and they figure out where it's at, and they find out that Peter and MJ have it. So he abducts Peter and starts putting him into these illusions. Um, Freaky ones like he's too. At, like he abducts he abducts Peter. Um. Like he is, or Peter goes to Berlin rather. Yeah, to meet up to with meet Fury. up with Nick Fury. And Mysterio kind of catches him in the act. You don't really know it at first. You think he's with Fury the whole time, 
Um, but it ends up being he's with Mysterio and he's got these illusions that he's casting and those all look really cool and he's kind of yeah. explaining to Peter pretty freaky stuff too. he's kind of explaining kind of his his um, deal to Peter his ethos if you will and um, Peter ends up eventually escaping but not before he's like seriously psychologically like uh, like uh, he throws him in front of Tony Stark's grave and yeah. a zombie Iron Man pops out yeah. Which is like, a, I don't know if that was a nod to like the Marvel zombies, because there's like those book covers where it's like Captain America, yeah. has, right? Um, that, that, I'm not sure if that was, but if it is, that that's a good nod. It looked a little bit like the cover where it's like reaching out and you can see half the mask and half a, like a skull type. Right. So I, I don't know if that was, but it could have been. It might have been. Um, so then Peter, he kind of backs him up into a train and he gets hit by a train. And so he's like, okay, Peter's dead. And he also tricked Peter into telling Nick Fury, quote-unquote, who else he told about it. And so now he knows that, okay, um, MJ and Ned, Peter's friends, and and possibly Ned's Ned's girlfriend, girlfriend, who he made on the trip, Betty Brant, who I guess is a a character in Spider-Man lore, I believe. I'm not entirely sure. I think. So those three know. So he's like, all right, I'm going to have the school... Um, detour through London on their way home. I'll kill all those people that know about it and I'll perform this huge trick in London at the same time. I'll make sure they're in the kill zone and I'll you know, literally and figuratively kill two birds with one stone. I'll become the greatest hero and I'll kill everyone that knows about my deception. Um, Peter's picked up then by Happy Hogan who is a great, who's in the movie kind of throughout, kind of talking with Peter, and especially talking with Aunt May, which to Peter's dismay um, is happening. Uh, he picks him up and kind of, they talk a little bit about Iron Man, how they both miss him, and Happy Hogan's there to kind of give him the uplifting words he needs to get back in the fight. Uh, and then Peter goes in the back of this jet that Happy Hogan just, it flew over to him and um, starts assembling uh, a new spider suit for his fight with Mysterio. And I think the, the um, holograms, which are like displays of all the suits that were designs for the suit, pretty sure one of them was a nod to the uh, Spider-Man symbiote suit from, I can't remember, it was like the 90s, I think. Because it, it was a black suit, and you can see the large Spider-Man symbol that goes across like the, the shoulders. Venom, the Venom yeah, suit. Yeah, the Venom symbol. Right. The Venom suit. Yeah. So, yeah, there's like five or six different like uh, configurations you can go with, and he kind of started to build a custom one almost for what his plan was. Um, when he goes to London, him and Happy Hogan split up. He tells Happy, go find my friends and keep them safe. He goes and battles Mysterio, um, and he's able to... Defeat Mysterio. Uh, it appears that Mysterio is dead at the end of the movie. And they all go home. They're safe. Um, the movie ends with uh, Peter and MJ going on a date of sorts. And it's Peter taking MJ flying through the city or swinging through the city on his webs and such. And she's freaking out. So. Then we go to a mid credit scene. And go ahead and explain. Can you explain the mid credit scene? It's right... It basically, 
that could have been the end of the movie, but they decided to put a little bit of credits yeah. in there and then this scene. All right, so it gets pretty much at the end of the day. He drops her off, and you know they have their nice little uh, date banter or whatever you want to call it. He's like, okay, I'm going to head out. And she's like, no, be safe. And as he's about to leave, he gets on top of a um, street lamp or whatever you want to call it and looks to the big TV in Times Square, I guess. And I think it's right outside Madison Square Garden. There's one of the big uh, one of the big screens on the outside of Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Point is, big screen, and the news is going on. And he hears on the news that, hey, we got footage in of... Uh, Mysterio, Quentin Beck, saying that Spider-Man pretty much is about to kill him and that he's a bad guy. He wants to be the only Iron Man, so he's going to kill him. Yeah, they say they got some footage of Spider-Man. Or they got some footage of Mysterio's final moments, and it's doctored footage, right? Yeah. It shows, um, you know... It's Mysterio talking to the camera like Spider-Man is the one that sent all the drones. I think he takes a line from Peter where Peter where Peter was asked if he wanted to execute the cancellation protocols or something. Yeah. And he said, yes, ex- I don't care. Execute them all or execute them all or something to yeah. that effect. And they cut that line um, and, and added a line from Edith that was due... Would you like to attack because there's civilians here? And he's like, I don't care. Execute them all. Yeah. So, so this was something you brought up earlier that one of Mysterio's kind of comic things is that he started to frame Spider-Man, right? Yeah. How did that work in the comics? Do you remember? Um, from what I can recall, it works because he goes and he fights Spider-Man as Mysterio for the first time. He says, hey, meet me here at the Brooklyn Bridge and... They have a fight, Spider-Man loses, and the Mysterio is, you know, they everyone's like, oh, he's a hero, he got rid of that Spider-Man menace, and then he fights Spider-Man again, and pretty much says, yeah, I framed you, so what? And then Spider-Man says, well, I got you on tape now, so I yeah. know people are going to know that you were lying. And this is after he basically like dressed up as Spider-Man and went and committed yeah. crimes, right? Yeah. So he's... He's been known to frame Spider-Man. So in this movie, he frames Spider-Man as a villain and basically says that Spider-Man not only killed a bunch of people in London, but he killed him too. And then, um, and for this footage, it cuts to the Daily Bugle, which is, this shows J. Jonah Jameson. And it's basically like a Alex Jones Infowars style, yeah. like kind of an internet um Conspiracy theorist, yeah, type. It's it's supposed to. It looks like that. It looks exactly like the Alex Jones Infowars setup, and he's kind of sounds. He's ranting and raving in his J Jonah Jameson voice, but it still has like that kind of. It's a little Alex Jonesy. That uh, ferocity, I guess. Yeah, a little unhinged, maybe is the word. Uh, It still has that kind of uh, tone to it. And then he says, that's not it, you know, because he shows the footage of Spider-Man and then he said, that's not it, you know, there's also this, make sure you're sitting down for this one. And then we get the clip of him saying, of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Mr. going, the Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And they flash a picture of Peter Parker up on the screen. So his identity will be known 
from now on in the MCU. That's one of the big, yeah. that's kind of the biggest game changer from the movie, really. That's something that happened back in the Civil War comics. I mean, they didn't do it in the Civil War movie, but yeah. it, it's a big thing that happened in comics. Yeah, well, he comes out, right? He has yeah. To, he comes out and says it. He willingly has, says it. Yeah. That, yeah, I'm Peter Parker. But at this point, he talked about he is comfortable. You know, he's there's a funny little scene where he's like, I'm comfortable with my, with who knows my identity, you know. And he's, he's like, but I, we need to get the truth out there. But it's actually him talking to Aunt May and Happy Hogan <laughs> about whether or not they're dating. But he's he, so there's yeah. like a little almost like a um a false a false kind of declaration right. where you think maybe he's gonna come out and then but he's basically doesn't he does not want his identity known yeah and then Mysterio I don't know if it's part of his um, plan or if that was basically like because you see when he's about to die you see part of his team downloading something to a memory stick and they take it out right as he's right. about to die. So, this is obviously, I don't know, this could have been some type of fail-safe or, you know, in case of death, break glass. And so, they send this out to, um, you know, I guess J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. So, and then the other, so that's kind of the end of the actual movie, really. That probably is really not, shouldn't, that should have been the end of the movie, but... They like to put. I think they like really enjoy having these kind of mid credit scenes that really mean something to keep people there for a little bit longer. Um, so that was the mid credit scene, which is really the end of the movie. It kind of doesn't really. They use the uh, the start of the credits to kind of give a little bit of um, the uh, uh, kind of just make you think that time has passed from right. when they started their swinging to when they ended swinging through the city, mind you. Um, then the final post credit scene is Nick Fury and Maria Hill in the car talking. And it turns out for the entire movie that Nick Fury and Maria Hill were both scrolls, right? Yep. So they're both shapeshifters that were first introduced in Captain Marvel. Scrolls have been in a lot of Marvel properties um, in the comics and kind of led to some really interesting theories. So when I know when they got first introduced in Captain Marvel, people were really excited by the possibilities, but, um, it appeared that Nick Fury sent them there. So Nick Fury is still alive. They show Sam Jackson, but he is in the middle of space on like a scroll ship. Pretty much. So it's insinuated or they kind of even say that basically it's not like Nick Fury has been a scroll the whole time. He was just for this, Movie, so it would appear that Nick Fury and Maria Hill I don't know if they show her, but if she's being impersonated, I'm guessing she's with him, yeah, are out in space looking for something, possibly maybe uh, the new Avengers or something. They're out in space. Um, the scroll Nick Fury, which is Talos, right? Which is from Captain Marvel and his wife. Talos says, Hey, you need to come back to Earth, you know, there's you know. We kind of mess this some, one up. Some stuff happens. And people keep asking where the Avengers are. So that's how the movie ends. Um, so that's kind of the plot. It's nothing. The plot's not super complicated. It's just pretty, pretty well straight, executed. Pretty, and yeah, pretty the twist, fun. even though you kind of know it's coming, is still executed well and explained well. Yeah. So it's not uh, a crazy, crazy movie. Um, yep. But it's done really well. So... Um, but now let's go to we kind of talk about let's read our notes so let's go to the note section of the 
uh, podcast. So these are notes we take um, right after the movie's over on our phones, just real quick in the theater. Uh, take these notes. Some of them we may have touched on already. Yeah. Um, but there will be a few others that we probably haven't touched on. So um, I'll go ahead and start. All right, go ahead. Um, first, my first note is that the illusions that were created specifically when uh, Mysterio's kind of explaining himself to Spider-Man and he's got him in that first um, illusion where it ends with the Tony Stark coming out of the grave sequence. I thought those were really, really cool looking. Those are really well done. Yeah. I would have loved to see a whole movie. Because even the way Spider-Man is lit and it just looks different and it looks really, really cool. I thought those the illusions were all really, really good and they really preyed on the... um, psychological state of Spider-Man kind of going through what's always been one of Spider-Man's things is that he you know if he can't uh, give up his identity because people close to him will get hurt well this guy kind of knows who he likes already who's close to MJ to show her in peril and he you know it's it's really cool to show like because Mysterio a lot of people think that oh that's the guy with the fishbowl on his head right it really made him look like he could be really menacing the way they yeah. did the illusions and how it could really mess with somebody's mind, right? Yeah, he's uh, a master manipulator. Yeah, and that's kind of I think that's one of the um, that's kind of one of the uh, themes of the movie is kind of manipulation of people in mass and maybe even media manipulation and how you can get your message out there even if it's not the truth if you're good at manipulating yeah the right people or you have kind of the right um, or if you say things people want to hear. Um, so I thought those were really, really cool. And the movie looked great overall. I thought Mysterio looked really, yeah. really cool in particular. I mean, like I said, people were kind of like, Mysterio, are you serious? A lot of the Spider-Man villains are kind of campy. And Mysterio yeah. is the guy with a fish, like literally a fishbowl on his head. But it looked really good in this movie. It was really well done. Yeah, I think when they think uh, Spider-Man villains are campy, they're mostly thinking of like the 70s or 80s cartoons that had the villains in them. Yeah, I mean... That's what a lot of people grew up with, and not a lot of people do read comics, so that's usually their only frame of reference, I think. Yeah, but I mean, just even Mysterio, just the way he looks. He's gotten... I think he's had some good comic arcs, but just if you look at him, you're like, really this guy but he was totally convincing and totally you could see that this guy could be really menacing without he's able to mess with your mind with these illusions I thought and his tech that he had was really cool I like how they tied it in to uh, the barf technology so that was really good what are your what was what what was your first note Um, I'm not going to say this is my first note but just to play off what we were saying Mm -hmm. just now about the illusions uh, I second that. The illusions were like awesome to see yeah. and played out. But it also gave a sense of paranoia after a while. Like that scene when he's seeing Happy come to pick him up. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, hey, uh, tell me something only Happy would know. Yeah. For Up to that point, I had a sense of paranoia. Like, okay, is this just being another illusion yeah, played yeah, out? Because or... they do a couple times where you think the illusion has stopped. And Beck will almost like play an illusion of him, or Mysterio will play an illusion of himself being defeated. Yeah. And then something else will be happening. It actually sets up kind of the final, one of the, the final confrontation in the film. Yeah, when that first one happened, I was like, oh, that's it? You oh, said, Nick Fury, right. yeah, Beck <laughs> looks like he was defeated by Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. 
And then he asks, that's where he says, oh, tell me who else you told. And then he tells them, and then the illusion fades away, and he's like, you're so gullible. Yeah. And so, yeah, anytime Mysterio is kind of with, and if he's kind of in bad guy mode, you have no idea what's true, what's false. Yeah. Is he really, like, even in the end, he's faking like he's dead and talking to Peter, and Peter senses that uses his spider sense or as they as Aunt May calls it and it's really funny throughout the movie because his Peter Tingle God because he, he doesn't have the spider he doesn't have the spider sense branding down yet so she's like oh you're Peter Tingle he's like please don't call and it and even Happy Hogan calls it that because he's hanging out with Aunt May so he calls it his Peter Tingle so that's really funny yeah um, that is actually another so note I a, have yeah go ahead uh, the note that I have here that was going to be the first note is the humor is well done like most MCU films. They're, yeah. They can blend humor pretty well with these comic stories yeah. just like, you know, that whole Peter Tingle thing. Yeah. So Peter, uh, in his last encounter, he gets the tingle that, um, or his spider sense goes off that that's not the real Beck on the floor dying and he's able to grab um, a gun out of the hands of the real Beck who is kind of in the illusion just blending the silence about to shoot Peter in the head. So he's able to break the illusion using his spider sense or his Peter tingle. God, that's and, um, <laughs> and But until, even even after that, you're still thinking, is this real or is that? Yeah. So they really? made Mysterio to be very menacing and unsettling. And I thought he's one of my, probably one of my favorite, it's probably a little bit of... Um, recency bias but he's one of my favorite MCU villains just cause I he's really good you can never be too careful with somebody that likes to mess with your head more than anything and you enjoy the guy that wants to play the hero yeah and um is the villain and that kind of stuff that was I think that's that was he was really well done I really enjoyed that yeah. um back to me um I already said the movie looked great and it did yeah my next note would be okay. So they brought in JB Smoove, who a lot of people probably know from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. You probably recognize his voice. He's done a lot of voiceover work too. Um, Funny guy. They brought him in as another teacher, and he really like for somebody that's kind of that well known. He didn't have much to do. He kind yeah. of was on the sidelines saying a couple like witchcraft stuff. Half fun. Some of it was funny. Some of it was kind of hokey. And I wonder if he had a bigger role and there was more to the character and they that got had to cut, cut or if he's gonna. there's going to be more to the character going on. Because he was really like, you expected a lot more out of him. I thought it was kind of weird. He didn't really have much going on. Yeah, they um, if they were going off of his uh, comedic talent, they really didn't use it that much. I mean, yeah, he probably had a couple ten funny lines. lines. He probably had like ten lines the whole movie. And like two or three are practically the same line. Like yeah. his witchcraft or yeah. so something like that. That was... Um, that was kind of weird to me, but he was still he did, he still did add some humor. But I was wondering why they cast him or why they needed that character in the movie. Yeah. Instead of just having the single teacher like they had before. Um. I guess it's my note now. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I have on here the locations were good. Like I'm not sure if they went to a bunch of locations for all of these or if they did a lot on the set and just did CG. But it looked like I think just looking at the credits, they thanked Italy for a tax credit, so they must have filmed there. They thanked the Czech Republic. They thanked 
um, the Czech Republic Film Society or Czech Republic Cinema, you know, whatever. They think so. I think they filmed. They did film. Uh, it see, it would seem based on that they filmed some stuff on location. And uh, stuff that they couldn't get on location looks like they got from you know help from Australia and Canada. I think were the other two places that were they yeah. thanked. And I think they did uh, visual. I think they did the visual effects in Australia or something. Yeah, like that, so. but. Um, locations that were on location, I thought, yeah, the, the, those are very nice looking locations. It definitely makes you feel like you're with these kids in Europe and you're along for the journey, as cliche as that sounds. And it adds something to like, okay, here's a Spider-Man movie not set in New York. Yeah. It's a little, di- it adds just a little different flavor to it. Yeah. Um, I thought that this movie did really well and it because my note was this movie had to do a lot of the heavy lifting after Endgame, kind of reestablishing the world. Um, it does it without really just drowning you in a bunch of exposition at the beginning of the movie. It gives you some, but it gives it to you in kind of an entertaining enough way that you're, that you, you can, you'll, you take it. You're just not like, Oh my gosh. Like, but it, it's able to kind of weave in a few different details about what life is like now after Endgame. And it does a really good job, especially with the end reveal that they reveal Peter Parker. Now, if this guy, if if um, if the Daily Bugle is kind of considered the same as Infowars, there will probably be a lot of people that doubt that. But still, there's going to be people, and uh, you know, that maybe they're saying that the people that are kind of crazy enough to believe some of this stuff are also the same people that might be the villains. So. Peter Parker, people know who he is now. They're going to be coming after him, which is definitely going to be um, a setup for the future uh, Marvel movies. Um, I thought, uh, my next note would be that I thought it was a pretty interesting commentary on modern life. You had, um, first of all, all the talk about fake news, that kind of stuff. There's that kind of thing going through where we're presenting you know, the thing... Um, I think I thought it was also a commentary on social media a little bit. I can you have um, you have Flash who um, he basically admits right if they're in a scene where there a lot a few of the students are about to die at the end he basically admits that he streams and you see him throughout the movie he's got his camera no matter where they're at he's got his camera he's constantly streaming talking to his viewers or whatever yeah constantly streaming about where he is and he's just wherever they're going he's got his phone out streaming talking to his people he basically um admits that he only does it because he wants to people to tell him that he likes him and the the likes like help his self-esteem yeah and he's he's like i can't believe i was doing that i'm such an idiot and then happy tells him oh spider-man will use this to find you oh spider-man follows me and he feels like he's been like uh been useful yeah he feels vindicated and like being obsessed with streaming every detail of his life (laughs) on social media which I thought was interesting, which was like, uh, and then you see when he gets home, when they get home from this very dangerous journey that his mom isn't even there to pick him up. So is there yeah. some type of, you know, a psychological need to, for, attention. for attention to be liked that's fueling yeah. his constant use of social media. So I thought that was kind of a commentary on that a little bit. And then um, Quentin Beck says, uh, Mysterio says in the movie that the truth is whatever we show them the truth is. Yeah, and so you could use that as a commentary, I guess, on news and and being able to control narratives. But I think it's also a commentary on 
uh, like I said, social media, that people, nobody puts, everyone, everything on social media is a highlight for the most part. Yeah. People don't put, uh, you know, nobody's like, oh, this is a, this is a really terrible picture of me. I'm going to put this up. It's, this is the best picture I've got with the filter, you know, done a hundred different ways just so I look good. And then you're acting like, oh, I just rolled out of bed with this picture, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. It's kind of, you know, everybody's Facebook life is perfect, but in reality, that's not true. Yeah. So there's kind of like that part of it. And there's also, um, controlling narrative through media and, and it made me think about politics, how a lot of times people are just looking, they don't really care what the outcome is as long as they can control the narrative and use it in a way to make themselves look good. So using tragedy to try to win political points, it's kind of what Mysterio was doing a little bit. Yeah. He's using these tragedies to win um, favor and make himself come off looking good. So even, I thought it was interesting. And that's something that happens kind of everywhere in politics and yeah and news and all kinds of stuff everyone tries to spin there's, there's so much um it's everything's become a sport where you have your team and the people yeah. who don't like have their team and they're all everyone's just looking to score points constantly so i thought it may yeah. have been a commentary on that maybe not mysterio did have that line where he says we're somebody goes you know we're gonna have a lot of casualties if you have the you know the damage from the drones up to this much he's like so more casualties means uh more well-known or more attention it's going to get. Yeah, he's overcome the... He's, he's basically like, I'll overcome bigger odds since it was so dangerous. Yeah. So, um... Definitely a lot of, uh... What's the word? Undertones or... A lot of messages, I yeah, guess. And they, they, the, the word truth is thrown around a lot in the movie. Yeah. MJ is a conspiracy theorist, pretty much, in the movie. Um, she talks about truth quite a few times. She says that she's awkward because she tells people the truth even if it hurts yeah um they talk about your truth my truth beck talks about the truth is what i tell you so truth like what is the truth is kind of a theme or something that runs throughout the movie a little bit i think the two big overarching themes are truth and responsibility yeah so um what, what else did you have in your notes um Tom, I just had uh, for this, but this can extend to a lot of characters. Tom Holland is likable as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, but a lot of the people in the movie were pretty likable. Yeah, I thought they were all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a they they did a good job casting the first one, and they kept. I thought they did uh, kept all those people pretty much in the same roles, and um, then they did a good job bringing in uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck Mysterio because I guess he's been up for playing Spider-Man in the past so you also get that kind of like a right. backstory that almost ties in with the Mysterio backstory people had for the longest time because of that they had a theory that uh, Quentin Beck was actually Peter Parker from the future yeah from a different back. reality yeah. yeah so um so that, I yeah I thought they did a really good job casting I think to your point that's like casting they did a really good casting, job casting yeah and yes. the the tone the director is able to elicit is fun and enjoyable, right? There's nothing. It's n never a drag. Yeah, never a, a dull moment. Really. Yeah. Um, you got any more notes? Yeah, kind of. A, I guess kind of piggybacking off yours, and just because I've been seeing him in a few other things that uh, John Favreau, I thought it was awesome. I really, really enjoy him. Um, 
he doesn't do a ton of acting anymore, I don't think. But I kind of enjoy what he's done, and he was really good in this movie. The last um, thing selling I... the comedy with him and Aunt, him and Aunt May kind of secretly dating, and then you find out the movie that he thinks they're dating, she maybe doesn't think they're dating, and so there's funny that there's humor there. Yeah. But just also him um, when him and Peter are talking about Tony Stark, he does a good job conveying the sadness and. Yeah. Also, what Tony feels, and then uh, when Peter's in the back and he's kind of doing the same kind of motions that Tony used to do, when he's kind of getting his suit ready, he's kind of cycling through things, going through all the the using the tech and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, Favreau just has a really proud, kind of really nice look on his face. He did a really good job with that moment. So I just thought he was. Um, I thought he did a really good job. Yeah. Not only is he a very good actor, he's a very great director. He's done. I don't think I've seen one movie that he's directed that was not good. Yeah. But yeah, you are definitely uh, going off of that. He was very good in the role. The other only, bleh, sorry, only other role I can think of that he did was uh, Carl Casper from Chef, and he does a really good job of that. He's done. He's he's started his own movies. He's in Swingers and a few other. He's he's done a lot. He's in Rudy. Yeah, he's a good guy. All right. So, um, you got any more notes? Uh, I got a few, and they could be pretty quick since we have discussed them. Right. I put down Mysterio is definitely one of the more memorable villains that we've had in the yeah, MCU. I, I agree. I, I really enjoyed him, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it's just like prisoner of the moment. I think he was really, really good, and yeah. his story was intriguing. And it wasn't like uh, it was one of those villains that you can understand where he's coming from, but it also wasn't like a virtuous thing. Yeah, it was like. A greedy thing. Uh, yeah, greed and wanting credit. Uh, you get that. It wasn't virtuous like, you know, right. this guy, Spider-Man, didn't save the train when it was running off the track and my brother died. It wasn't anything like that where you're like, we're also like, yeah, I get it. I, I, it was like, oh, I understand greed and what... Not getting credit. It's also, there's no virtue here. This guy's just a jerk. Yeah. Definitely good casting on their part to go with Jake Gyllenhaal Yeah, because he can sell that... That's all American superhero thing, and also turn around and sell the the smug, kind of whiny actor director type right. thing, too. Um, so after that, I have uh, do you have any more notes, real quick? I'm done, yeah. Right, um, okay, well, then my next note is uh, J.K. Simmons is back, yes, as J. J. Jonah Jameson. I don't know, I'm assuming he'll be. Back in future installments, I'm assuming too. It could have just been a kind of a funny one-off joke, and it it, it worked. But uh, if they went out to the all this trouble to get the original J. Jonah Jameson from the same Sam Raimi films to come back, I think he's going to be sticking around for quite some time. So it'll be interesting to see um, where they go with his character. Um, Okay, my next note is I personally didn't really care too much for the romantic subplot. But I thought it was okay. I didn't mind it. I thought it was... You have to have... I mean, you had to have a reason for Peter to kind of want to... Just besides being a kid, I think you had to have a reason for him to um, want to give up Spider-Man. And that's always been, right? His thing is... Right. He wants to give it up so so he's safe and his people he loves are safe. 
Yeah, but I can you can make the argument argument that he would just want a normal life, not necessarily just because oh romance. But what's in a normal life when you're a teenager? Uh, you puppy class, love, puppy love, puppy, yeah, sure, puppy love. But there's also class, you know, family stuff. Yeah. I'm just not a whole fan, big fan of romance stuff. Right, well, so I, I'm a little I biased. Think it, I think it works. And like I, mean, I say, I say it's tolerable yeah. for people like me. But I think it works. Um, so I disagree with you. <laughs> it's okay to have a wrong opinion. Um, yeah, we already talked about Mysterio framing Spider-Man. Um, oh yeah, at the very end credits, we had a nice tribute to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, which were both the creators of Mysterio. Yeah, and they both died. 2018. Right. Stan Stanley died November 12th, 2018, and Ditko died June 2018. Yeah. So, um, and like you said, they were both. They were the ones that worked on the book together and created Mysterio. Yep. So not only a nice kind of um, tribute to them just for what they did for Marvel and Spider-Man in general, but also particularly Mysterio. And um, their tribute to them looked like it was off the page, like out of a comic book, the way yeah. the names were written. It was kind of that comic book font. Yeah, and like it looked like it was just ripped right, right on one of their books they used to work on, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Yeah, so uh, that's a, that was a nice little nod, I thought, to uh, Stan Lee. And there, there's been a lot of, you know, stuff for Stan Lee recently since he passed. You know, like uh, Captain Marvel had one, um, Endgame had one, and of course this had one. But I don't know if they're going to continue doing that for the next yeah. Marvel movie and whatnot. But and was this, he was not in this one at all. No, no. Was this the first one in a long time that he has not been in? Um, was he in Captain Marvel? Did he have a cameo? Yeah, he was in Captain Marvel. His cameo was he was reading the screenplay for Mallrats. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he have a cameo in uh, Endgame? Endgame? I can't remember. I think, think he did yeah. because. Um, the, I'm trying. I can't remember what the cameo was, but it cuts to like kids are looking out the bus at something, and then it cuts to him going, "You act like you've never seen a giant monster before." Or no, it was hit when he was playing a young guy driving back in the fifties. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So this was this is one of the first movies in a long time that he's not. Yeah. At least I didn't see. There may be something in the background or something, but I didn't see him at all. So, um, all right. So we got two things left. First thing we're gonna do is. Um, give our ratings for the movie. Yep. So our scale here at Watching Film is the tippy top of the scale. It's broad, but the our five star, so to speak, review would be this is a movie you definitely have to see in theaters. It's worth getting a babysitter for. It's worth paying. It's worth taking the time out of your day to go see it in a theater. Yep. So that's the tippy top. Next scale down is hey when it comes on rent on Amazon or if I can rent it on iTunes or whatever for three ninety nine it's definitely worth paying for just maybe not the full fifteen twenty bucks to go see it in the theater. Third ranking, middle of the tier, middle of the road here tier it would be if it's on cable or if it's on one of your streaming um, platforms that you already subscribe to you don't got to pay anything extra it's definitely worth two hours to watch on a lazy Sunday or a Saturday or something like that if I got two hours to kill it's definitely worth the watch fourth tier would be that this is a pl- this is a movie you would only watch if you're on an airplane you're stuck you have limited options you need to kill two hours with something this is an airplane movie 
the last tier, the fifth tier, has never watched this movie, or as we're starting to call it, a Costanza in honor of Frank Costanza, because... Well, it sucks. There you go. So, we have seen in the theater down to Costanza. So, seen in the theater would be kind of like the Sue Ellen Mischke. (laughs) Right. So, so. uh, let's, of, of this scale, down to the Frank Costanza, but... Um, I'll go ahead and give my rating first. Um, this is a definite see it in a theater um, for me. It's got um, it's got good action, good scale, uh, and it's a fun, enjoyable movie. It'll probably be one as of right now, it's the best movie of the summer, really. Uh, and it may be the best movie of the summer. I don't think anything coming out is really going to challenge it. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely worth seeing in the theater, in my opinion. Zach, what is your take? Uh, I'm going to say go see it in the theater as well. Um, if you are an MCU completionist, this is definitely one you want to see. Or if you're just the average moviegoer, it's still worth seeing. It's got humor, a lot of good action, a lot of really good effects, um, very good characters. A little romance. Yeah. <laughs> Which you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely worth seeing in the theater if you can spare, you know, a couple hours and whatnot. All right, so that's our review for Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, you can find this. We're on SoundCloud. We're on podcasts, on I, the uh, Apple Podcast. Um, we're on some other services. We're, we're trying to get more. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at watching underscore film. You can check out our website at watchingfilm.org. We have uh, articles. The podcasts are posted there, and we have uh, articles about movies and television, also sports. We just had our first sports article about uh, a football article about the passing game. So if you're interested in football and learning more about the X's and O's of it, that's up there. We have um, the If I Could Change One Thing series, which we just posted a new article talking about changing one thing in Terminator Salvation. Uh, that is posted up there, and uh, the podcast and any other new things will be posted there at watchingfilm.org. Again, you can find us on Twitter at watching underscore film. And we are going to leave you today with a tri- or with our own tribute to Stan Lee and Spider-Man with Stan Lee singing some of the old theme from Spider-Man. Thanks for listening. Tune back in next week. Thank you for having me. I'm the comic book expert they were talking about. Here you go. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out, here comes a Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes a Spider-Man. Excelsior. Sorry. <laughs>